Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. everyone uh this is andy richter and uh this is another episode of the three questions you probably already know that and i am talking today uh to a very very funny comedian who i've known uh for a number of years and um had the privilege of of watching her grow from just a regular old stand-up to an entertainment mogul at this point to an industry in yourself tig nataro Hi, Tig. Come on, <laughs> you got TV shows, you got movies, you got, you know. Podcasts. Podcasts. Kids. Stand-up tours, you're making babies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm a mogul, but it's it's nice to hear, you know. <laughs> well, a mogul. Well, what is he, I get, a mogul is a weird word. That's like kind of like, you know, like calling you a shah. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, 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 I think it's like an ethnic. Is like it? An Indian ethnic kind of royalty or something. Uh-huh. Well, that's I what I, I'm known as, is an Indian, <laughs> I'm Indian royalty. Yes, yes. Well, um, you're in a hotel room on tour. Yeah. Uh, at, at, how long is that going for? Well, um, I'm really catching up after, um, being home for so long during the pandemic. Uh, I wasn't a comedian that did the um, Zoom shows or the drive-in movie shows, um, which uh, all, everything positive to those that did, I just didn't do it. So I did like four warm-up shows and then I hit the road and I think I'm, I don't know, almost 30 cities in and I think I have probably 30 more to go. Wow. Um, but this week I'm finishing the majority of the concentrated tour. And then the rest of the year, I'm just going to go out for a weekend or a night here and there. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been good. Feels good to be back out telling people what I think is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Do they think it's funny too? I got I hope. Uh, you know, Fingers I hope. Crossed. Yeah. Um, I've had really <laughs> fun shows and then I've had also a show along the way where 3000 people were kind of like, eh, eh, that's OK. Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, just one, was, though. It was just one of those nights where it's like, wow, OK. Every other show has been really fun. Yeah. And then tonight you all just feel like, eh, that's OK. It's all right. <laughs> it has to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It happens. Happen. It happens. It is It is such a strange thing. I mean, because I don't do, I mean, I. you know, I sat in front of an audience for years and years on the Conan show, but I don't do stand-up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my the things that I was saying, it, the, the things that I would say usually didn't have like a a track record. You know, they were just spontaneous things that I was saying once. But there was, it really is weird when you say something and you know it's funny and a whole room full of people just stare at you and you're like, no, you're you're wrong. I'm the one that's right. That was really funny, you know? Yeah, yeah it's such a weird um, recipe of like the vibe in the room, what's going on in the world, the yeah. vibe that you bring to the stage. Um, I don't know. I, I mean... 
And just to give myself a little credit, it's not that it was total crickets. It just was really not the vibe of every other city. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, well. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you remember, like, the first time that you understood, like, the power of getting laughs as a kid? Like, when you got laughs as a kid, do you remember a specific point when you realized... Because for me, it was, I, I one time was imitating Tim Conway, that old man character he did on uh, Carol Burnett that walked really, really slow. Can I hear it? <laughs> well, I don't think he even talked so much. It was more of a physical oh, oh, bit okay. where he would like walk, but each step was about like two inches <laughs> with each foot. And I was supposed to go to bed and I was doing the Tim Conway bit to go to bed. And my grandmother was howling, laughing. And I remembered like, oh, wow, I can get what I want. Like, I'm not having to go to bed. Like, I think I, you know, stretched another half hour out of it just from making her laugh. And from the tiny footsteps that you took. That's what I mean. You know, it all worked together beautifully. Um, I mean, I remember a moment that I thought I was so funny and where it really hit me. (laughs) And apologies ahead of time for what, the, the joke was, uh, <laughs> but I was in elementary school and um, and I gave a friend of mine my bag of Fritos or something or. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they went to open the bag of Fritos and it was upside down. And I made the joke that um, now all the Fritos are upside down. So you have mm-hmm. to open it from the other side. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was hilarious. Oh, my gosh. But as far as um, other people, <sighs> I mean, it's all I don't I guess I don't really have a specific moment. Uh, I do remember in in junior high, a teacher. I don't even I'm such a failure dropout in school. So I don't even remember what these words are in school, but it's he, she, and it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what those are? Um, well they're pronouns, you know. Is a it a pronoun? Yeah. Okay. I don't see I don't know. Yeah, I have I, I truly so. have a seventh yeah. grade education. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I mean I know how to use the language. I don't know what it, the parts are called. You know, yeah, it's like I that's, know how to drive a car, but I don't know, you know, right, like what yeah. an alternator is. Well, I remember the teacher had he, she, and it on the board, and I yelled out, He shit. He shit. <laughs> and Everybody laughed so hard and I got booted out of class. And, uh, but I feel like I knew before then I just, that one really stuck out where I yelled, Mm. (laughs) where I could legitimately yell, he shit in, uh, in class. I, yeah, I, cause I was a smart ass and I found early on too, that like, if you make a teacher laugh when they're mad at you, Mm -hmm. it's really like quite the power move. Yeah, this teacher uh, didn't laugh at yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I mean, I made my teachers laugh quite often, but not in that moment. That was, yeah. like, unacceptable. <laughs> yeah. He shit. He shit. He shit. <laughs> he shit. Yeah, but you were Southern, too, so it's also, you know, it's shit. Yeah. It's, well, it's yeah, and I was actually, I was in Texas at the time, and it really yeah. sounded right. It just sounded like <laughs> I said, he shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, you do you consider yourself Southern? Like, do you still feel like you have a Southern sort of, you know, because like a lot of Southern people really hold on to that identity. Yeah, I feel like I do. Um, yeah. And uh, I, uh, yeah, I feel very connected to it. Most of my family are still in Mississippi, Louisiana and Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some family in California and then distant family that I've never met in like Boston or, you know, yeah. wherever. But, um, but yeah, and I still go back all the time. Even Stephanie's been to Mississippi with me 15 times now. Wow. And yeah. Um, wow. So we go back quite often. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have, do you have like a house there or anything? Do you stay there in the summer times or anything? Well, in summertime, that'd be the worst time to be there, I guess. Would be <laughs> well, unless you're married to Stephanie Allen. Um, she loves, 
the heat and humidity. Oh. She loves to oh. be dripping in sweat and humid. And I'm like, okay. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I know. Well, and she was very um, shut off to the idea of Mississippi when we first met. Yeah. And uh, and I, I was like, I understand. But there are great people there. And, um, and it is beautiful. And uh, my family, I just, I was excited to show it to her and, and she got out there, and truly, it's her favorite place to go. It's wow. her first time to travel, which will be in two weeks, will be to Mississippi. Wow. The first time to travel in two years, and that was where she wanted to go. Wow. Yeah, so it's crazy. But um, yeah. it, it all lucky. worked. It's so lucky. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And because she really took a turn. She was yeah. truly like Mississippi. She's like, oh, gosh, and... Um, and I, I, I understand and I am aware of what Mississippi is known for, but yeah. there's other great stuff. I mean, yes, <laughs> yeah, know. but it really does have an identity that's pretty solid. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, Oprah Winfrey is from Mississippi. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's, it's turned out some great people, some great music, um, and, um, some beautiful areas. And then there are some other things that are absolutely terrible. Where's uh, Stephanie from? She is from California, but her oh, okay. family went back and forth between New York and California, okay. um, all through her upbringing. So, yeah, because I, I, I found, cause I'm from, my ex-wife was from Louisiana where, and, uh, from Covington, mm. you know, right across the. The lake yeah, from actually, New Orleans. My um my cousin in my hometown uh was married to someone from Covington and they had like a family commune out there basically. Yeah. It's a beautiful town. It's yeah. like a southern gothic kind of mm-hmm. dream. You know, like old oaks with moss hanging off mm-hmm. them and old houses and just yeah. it's just a beautiful town. And coming from Yorkville, Illinois, which is just suburban, you know, kind of rural slash suburban America, flat bean fields, you know, McDonald's. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is, you know, I ended up liking Louisiana probably more than she did. And right. The food and just going down there. And it, for me, it was always fun. I didn't, the heat I could do without. And unfortunately, we always had to go in August because that's when I would get two weeks off. Oh, Yeah. Oh, and it was like there were some of our biggest family fights were walking somewhere that took half an hour in Louisiana. <laughs> were you walking really slowly like you're trying? <laughs> <laughs> no, we were trying as fast as our sweating would allow us. Okay. You know? okay. But like there was one particular morning where it was like not only us and our kids, but like my wife's sister and her kids going to a breakfast place that we didn't realize had been, that is now closed. Of course. So it was like a half an hour walk to there (laughs) and then coming back and not knowing where we're going to go and everyone just screaming at each other. And, and my son had given me his shoes, which I said, like, you're going to step on something, put your shoes on. He's like, no, I don't want to wear my shoes. And I was walking right behind him and he said something really smart ass to me. And I was like, two inches from his head and I bonked his shoes off the back of his head <laughs> and he yelled, dad threw a shoe at my head. I was like, no, well, technically, yes, I guess I did, but it was from two inches away. You oh know? my gosh. All of this taking place in Louisiana. I, love I know it. it's like right up. Yeah. It was nobody batted an eye. It was quite normal. Right now. Uh, you're you're a part of a bigger family. You got a bunch of siblings, right? Don't you have a few? Well, my brother and I were raised together, and then my father had um, several kids uh, that we were not raised with. Okay. Yeah. And was so. your dad home for a while, or was he? Because I know you were kind of mostly raised by a single mom. Well, I was raised by my mother and my stepfather. Okay. And then um, my mother and my father split up when I was six months old. Oh wow. Yeah, so I, I I saw him here and there through my childhood, and um, but yeah, no, there I don't, wasn't a priority put on him keeping up with you, or I mean, <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. It, it didn't seem like there was a priority. Um, yeah. It. Uh, he. He was kind of out of pocket, and oh, uh, and then he would pop up here and there. And he told me later that you know it was he sobered up essentially. But he I used see. to he he was a bit of a a partier and um and job to job city to city kind of yeah. person. So um, part of another long Southern tradition, probably. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah, the drifter. Yeah, I my father was a drifter, um, and uh, carried uh, you know a gun on him. Really? And, uh, yeah, and a, you know, pistol in his cowboy boot type kind of guy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I you know <laughs> it was it was a whole different world when my brother and I would go visit him because. You know, his neighbors, his, the kids next door would come over and see if we wanted to go raccoon hunting. And yeah, and uh, that one really the Mississippi that I was, uh, I mean, I spent, there's different kinds of South, you know, there's yeah, kind no, of the more proper South and the more, um, yeah, my father's world when we went to visit him was just, uh, yeah. It was just a, it, there were guns and there were there was raccoon hunting and there was uh, just no real stability there. Uh-huh. So yeah. were you around a lot of guns when you were young? No, just oh. when we went to. Oh, just when you went to your dad. Yeah, just yeah, when yeah. we went to our father's house. I mean, he had he carried like a a holster across his chest and and like a a pistol in his boot and a knife in his boot and you know. Um, yeah, I don't it's know. Always, I those kind of people. It's always like, what do you, what do you think? Like, I know. I've never really felt like, oh man, I wish I'd had a knife in my boot after yeah. that. You know, encounter. Well, I don't really know what my father was up to. Honestly, he talked about being involved in the Mississippi Mafia, and I don't know what was going on in yeah. his world. And uh, and he passed away, you know, maybe a couple of years after my mother did. And I don't I don't know. I'll never yeah. know what yeah, was going yeah. on there. So. Did you miss him when you were a kid? Like, did oh, you yeah. Miss how, yeah. Yeah. I think that I it was more the idea I, when I saw him, even though there was, you know, a lot of guns and <laughs> raccoons around. Um, uh, he was a really funny smart guy um and you know it was the typical thing if you go to your father's house your single father and he lives a single life and mm -hmm. it's you know he had a cb when we'd be driving around get on the cb and talk to truckers and just yeah. fun weird stuff going on um i mean not always fun but you know just yeah. some weird stuff going on and um Sometimes fun, weird, and, uh, and sometimes not so fun, weird. But, uh, but you know, and then I'd go home and I have to go to school and do all the grind of real life. And then I could think, oh, if I was just, my, I called him Pat. If I was at Pat's house, you know, I could just hang out and <laughs> and just, you know, eat pizza and play video games and you know, right. uh, do, you know, talk on the CB with truckers while we're right. flying Shoot down the highway. The back door. That That's right. Thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I really romanticized, um, who he was and who, what our relationship was and, and, um, and I, yeah, I, I missed what I think I missed what I wished we had. Yeah. 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 Um, School was not for you, as you sort of made a, a, a remark about. No, oh, it was Was that not. evident from the very beginning? You know, I <laughs> I think it did really well when it was stuff like colors and shapes and one plus one things. Right. Um, and then when it started to get into, like, carry a number and, and divide and 
you know, and read a book yeah. that's two inches thick. I was like, ah, I'm out, you know, and um, not interested. Yeah, you lost me. I thought it was yeah. just going to be coloring all the time. Um, but I, I think I did pretty well until <laughs> truly only like second grade. Really? And then, yeah, third maybe. And then I just took a nosedive and um, I failed three grades and then dropped out. Um, and truly the last grade that I graduated was seventh. Wow. Mm -hmm. Did Now, was that, was that stressful? Like, did you feel the stress of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I can't even... I mean, I had, I was a terrible procrastinator and had trouble getting homework done. Mm -hmm. And I just remember the stress of that. Mm -hmm. Like, it was like, I felt like an old man, you know, just, but I just couldn't get things done, you know? So yeah. I can only imagine what it's like to fail grades and just how the toll that would take on you. Yeah, it was stressful, but I was very much like, man, eh, I'm not going to be doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember this is Stephanie loves this story, but basically sometimes when teachers would hand me, um, you know, a paper or worksheet to fill out, I would just write an F at the top and then just put my head down. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just, oh, my uh, God. I just went into it. And yeah. um and, and also I, for, for a teacher, that's just <laughs> basically saying, I'm not buying what you're selling. So just yeah. leave me alone. Leave me yeah. out of this. Yeah. You want to do that with those other kids, those other saps. Go ahead. I think it really drove them crazy. Um, but, you know, I was oddly popular. Uh, people liked me and my teachers liked me. And I even became close with my vice principal. Wow. Um, and I and I'm still in touch with her um, uh, to this day. Wow! But um, yeah, I don't know. I walked this weird line of being a total failure, dropout, um, class clown. But I felt like people liked me. Yeah. Did you? I don't know. Were there things that you knew you were good at that you were that sort of like buoyed you against the feeling this feeling of like not making it in the scholastic world? Uh, yeah. And I also want to say, even though there were people that liked me, there were certainly a handful of people that did not like me. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm so uh, glad you got that out. Because <laughs> well, you really thinking... made it seem like it was a total <laughs> ego trip going on. <laughs> no, I was just thinking of like, oh my gosh, there were teachers that I am certain, you know, if they heard I saw my worst days alive, they'd be thrilled. But, um, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time playing guitar, mm -hmm. um, and, and really, really focused on that. Um, I played guitar and, um, I played soccer mm -hmm. and, um, I was, I was pretty good at both of those and just very into music and drawing and, and playing guitar. And that was kind of it. Um, yeah. But I, uh, I think I was known for being better at guitar than I actually was because I was like real, like Fonzarelli cool and like smoked cigarettes and I was failing and I had a guitar. And so I think people were like, whoa, yeah, she's I mean, I would hear about how good I was at guitar. And I think I was just pretty good at guitar, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I let it go that I was really good at guitar, uh -huh. you know? No one really saw it. And how do you, how does you, I mean, is your mom just kind of like, does she give up after a while and just let <sighs> you drop out when you, cause you dropped out. Did you drop out when you were 16 or? You know, it's probably, I always tell people I was like 35 cause I dr failed so many classes, so many grades that I was so much older. Yeah. Um, I, I think I was like 17 maybe when I dropped out, but my mother was an artist and she was, she wasn't really interested in conventional stuff, but mm -hmm. she would, um, I think she would try to get me to do what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't very believable when my yeah. mother was really trying to like crack the whip where my stepfather, he was 
you know, he was in the military and he's very, you know, um, buttoned up. Yeah. 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 And then he married my mother, who was like this wild, funny, artistic, just really. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was it was it was a real I mean, I'm glad I had what I had growing up because I think that they both influenced me perfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, because I do feel like I am very, um, regimented, free spirited, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I'm all, I understand that. I understand. I know what, yeah. Cause you can, yeah. Cause you can, uh, it's like not giving a shit, but having standards. Well, it also reminds me of even in writing, you know, like say you're writing a script. Yeah. There's a format that works. Mm-hmm. And as long as you use that format, you can kind of do whatever you want within yep. the script. Yeah. And I'm one of those people where I take chances and risks and um, am free-spirited in ways. But I also, there's a lot of rules that I will not break. Mm-hmm. You know, in 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 life and the world, and um, you know, I uh, I such my... as do you? Ha- I mean, are there some to, that you can that are right off the top? Well, n- there's nothing where it's like where I'm always like, this is the golden rule. I must not break right. this rule. But I'm I just try to be a decent person. Yeah. That's like not. Um, destroying my life or others or the world around me to the best of my ability, but I'm still going to break other rules, you know, and have a good time. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, cause I'm, I would sort of be the same way and where I kind (laughs) of feel like live and let live and let everybody do whatever they want, but just don't be rude to Pete, you know, but don't be rude, you know, Mm -hmm. and don't be, you know, like it's sort of do whatever you want, but take everyone's feelings into account or, you know, or like sure. I always in a workplace, especially like most of my roles are kind of like workplace ones where it's like, if you, if you're having a miserable day, keep it to yourself. Like there's mm-hmm. no reason that you have to, that that just cause you're feeling bad, you have to make everyone around you feeling bad. Mm-hmm. You know, save that for family. That's that's what family does, (laughs) not what coworkers do. Uh, Right. Yeah. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. For your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Life is a highway. And on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can't you tell my loves are growing? So uh, when you get out of school, I mean, do you, are, what are you thinking as you're a teen and, you know, you, you get all these like, so what do you want to do with yourself and what do you want to do with your life? 
What was your answer to that? Or did you have one? You know, I think that because I loved music so much, I wanted to figure out a way to get into that world. Yeah. Um, And for a while I thought, oh, well, I'll probably, you know, be a rhythm guitar player in a band or something. Mm -hmm. And um, I was so nervous playing even three chords in front of anyone. Um, It was just debilitating. I Mm. I couldn't do it. And then my first girlfriend was in a band. And so, and she was incredible. She could play every instrument. And, um, and so I started working with her band and helping book them and promote them and ultimately started managing her band uh-huh. And um, and that was when I lived in uh, Denver. And then other local bands asked me to help them out. So I started working in the music business and, uh, you know, scraping by. But um, but I was thinking, oh, OK, yeah, I guess this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I like this. This is fun. OK, cool. Yeah. And I think it wasn't until probably maybe 10 years ago, I I, I think back on that time. And I think back on any time in my life that I'm talking with a high pitch like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. No, I like her. Yeah. No, yeah, it's going well. That yeah. There's not truth there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it reminds me of when I met Stephanie. It was the first time when I was dating somebody that my voice came down to this place of, she's incredible. Yeah. I want to be with this person. Yeah. And that's how it was for me with comedy. When I thought I was happy in music, speaking in a high voice of, yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy. Uh, and then I was like, oh, wow. Uh, I'm like beside myself with con- with comedy. I'm just, yeah. um, I, it just, uh, yeah, so... Now, before we get to that, I do want to, I want to, and if it's okay to ask about like, you know, your coming out experience or like, was it, were, were, was high school tough? I mean, were you, was there any kind of like, in terms of being a gay kid or were you out in any way? And I mean, I can't imagine Mississippi being easy. Well, I was in Texas uh, during those years and, um, and I know it's probably going to shock you when you look at my face Uh and I tell you this. I did not know I was gay. And um, <laughs> so teen years were hard, but um, for many different reasons. And one of them was not because I was like, oh, I'm gay and this is tough. Um, but I did come out when I was, I don't know, 20 or mm-hmm. 21. And uh, I remember I was telling my mother and she... Um, she had a, a pocket of air in her cheek on one side and then she moved it to the other and she would just go <laughs> when I was telling her that I was gay. Yeah, and I yeah. said, I said, you're uncomfortable. And she said, no, I'm not. And she did the high pitch. She said, no, no. no and I no. said, no, no. I said, well, you're moving air from one cheek to the other and back to the other. And it just <laughs> feels like maybe you're uncomfortable. And then she started laughing and she said, well, maybe, maybe a little bit, but, um, you know, (laughs) uh, so yeah, I think that was her reaction as well. When I told her I didn't believe in God and, you know, Oh, you gave her the whole thing all at once. Not all at once. It was just different points in my life where I was like, "Ah, I don't believe in God or I don't believe in Santa. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in boys. I don't, you know what I mean? Like it was just, I went down the line. Yeah. I don't exist in my world. And my mother's air would go from one cheek to the next, and <laughs> I call her out. Well, when on you it. say you didn't know, were you just were you just kind of like nebulous about like desire, or you know, or was it just something you didn't that didn't enter into your head? Like, who you know, am I attracted I had, to, and who do I have a crush on? Yeah, no, I had crushes on on guys on yeah. on on. I ran around with like the the rock and roll kids, and you know, if somebody played the drums or the guitar, I was just like, oh my gosh, I have a crush on this guy. I got yeah. a crush on that guy, you know. And I was like, I thought for years deeply in love with Eddie Van Halen. 
Um, but uh, that didn't work out for yeah, me. Yeah, it did not. No, I just I just had uh, Valerie Bertinelli on this show. We talked. Oh, did you about him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've she's never a, met her, but um, she's lovely. Yeah, I worked with her a couple of times. She no, she's she's amazing. She's really yeah. great. Yeah, I'm going to go do her uh, Food Network or Cooking Network or whatever show. So well, tell her hello. I will. I will definitely <laughs> tell her who I am, and then tell her I said hello. <laughs> I'm sure she knows who you are. I will. I will. I'll make sure she knows. Okay. I'll bring a packet. You know, I'll bring a well. Actually, reel. on my HB, my I did this animated stand-up special on yeah. HBO, and in that special, I actually talk about my love for Eddie Van Halen, and there's an animated Eddie Van Halen in that special. Oh wow! Yeah. I'll let her know. Well, now how how does comedy happen? You know, you're 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 booking bands, mm-hmm. you're going around. Probably at this point, you know, because as a road manager, you got to have a gun. You probably had a gun at that point, right? You're, I mean, you would think. Yeah. I, I had a slingshot in my back pocket. <laughs> you know, I was more Dennis the Menace. You know, um, <laughs> Denise the Menace. Denise the Menace. The Menace. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I, like I said, I was living in Denver, and I was there with my childhood friends, and we had followed each other around. When I say we, I basically followed them around because they had plans for, you know, college and graduate school and they had career ambitions. And I just, I just went where they went and I had gone through a breakup and, um, and when they moved to Los Angeles, I just thought, oh, I could, I could probably do what I'm doing in Denver and Los Angeles. So I moved there with no intention to get into comedy. Yeah. And um, I slept on their couch. And and then when I got to Los Angeles, I saw in the LA Weekly um, all these opportunities to get on stage and do open mics. And it had been a secret desire of mine. Mm-hmm. But when I looked in the paper in Denver... Um, and I had gone to the comedy club in Denver, but when I looked at open mics in Denver, it only existed at the main comedy club and you would have to sign up months in advance to get on stage for three minutes. And then they let you know if you come back or not. And I was so intimidated and I was just like, I guess I'll never do that. Yeah. And then when I got to Los Angeles and I saw that you could do stand up in a laundromat and a bar and a yeah. coffee shop anywhere. Yeah. I, I thought, well, I can fly under the radar and check this out. And it's funny because most people, when they find out that I started stand up in Los Angeles, they're like, that's insane. It's so intimidating. And I'm like, no, it's not. Try, try getting on stage. And this is, you know, 25 years ago yeah. in, 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 a, in, a, in another city where they don't have a million open mics to go right. try. Whereas LA, I, I I couldn't believe it. And and so I went and got on stage every night, or no, not got on stage. I went to an, a different open mic or booked show every night for two weeks with my friend, one of my friends that I moved out there with. And I just felt like, I feel like I could do this. And that's yeah. not to say I was special because I do feel like many people watch stand up and think I could do that. Yes. Um, but I was one of those people that thought, I think I could do that. Uh-huh. And, and I, I am 25 years in almost 25 years in now. And Well, and also too, at that time, I think 25 years ago, that would have been a very experimental time in Los Angeles too, for mm-hmm. stand up. I mean, there, you know, and, so you do also too, there's an audience. It's like in Chicago, doing improv in Chicago is easy because there's the audience understands they're making yeah. this up. You're not going to see, you know, an episode of Saturday Night Live tonight. You're going right. to see a bunch of young people making stuff up on stage. And I think it was probably the same thing in Los Angeles. There's probably audiences that are willing to give you some space to figure out what you're doing, you know? For sure. 
I, yeah. I feel so lucky that I started in Los Angeles uh, because there are some people that think that you have to wait for an official invitation to move to Los Angeles, <laughs> you know, and that's really I've heard that that like you have to wait till you are signed by some sort of reps or until you are, um, you know, booked on a TV show, you have to wait for the proper invitation. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, <laughs> there's no world where I, uh, I would be. Where you'd, wait. that would work. Yeah. No, no, no. What did you tell your friend when you were going to see all these shows? Did you say like, I have this in mind that I'm going to be doing this? Yeah, she yeah. had known. I mean, we have been friends since we were small children, and yeah. she's the godmother of my children. But um, she knew that I had always wanted to do stand-up, and um, uh, I just didn't think it was within my reach or a possibility. Yeah. I just thought people like Paula Poundstone uh, and Richard Pryor— I, don't, I Actually, I didn't know how they did what they did. I thought—I I couldn't connect the dots of— Turning on HBO or Showtime or something like that, and you just hear somebody say, ladies and gentlemen, Paula Poundstone. And then she just walks on, and then I'm like, who are all these people in the audience? How did they know to come see Paula Poundstone? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how did they know to go to Richard Pryor's show? How yeah. how do I get someone to announce my name so I can go on stage? <laughs> you know? And how do I get all these people to show up? Yeah. I just didn't. I knew with a band, you you put your band together in your garage and you try to get some songs together and you send your tape to Capitol Records, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the 80s or whatever it is, Geffen Records. And right. um, but with comedy, I was like, like, yeah, how does this work? How the hell do What's you the get infrastructure? Yeah. 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 That's so. something I think that everybody, you know, has to kind of. Because I know for me, it was the same thing. It's like, how does any of that work? You know, the reason he, nobody, I didn't think like, I'm going to be a comedic actor because it's just like, there was like, you know, I want to be a spaceman. You know, it's the yeah. same kind of thing. It's like, that, well, how do you get there? You don't know. Yeah. It felt like becoming president of the United States, yeah. which we've now learned is it, there's. You can do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's many yeah. back doors and little windows yep. that you can crawl sure. in and, and you're in. Yep. But. I, it really did feel like become a spaceman, become president, become a stand-up comedian. How yeah. do you do it? Yeah. And when you started out, what kind of stuff were you doing? I mean, because you, you know, you've done a lot of your stuff is kind of conceptual. You know, uh, you know, like that. You, you famously on our show one time just came and dragged a stool around the stage, and it was pretty <laughs> hilarious. You know, it's uh -huh. like one thing to describe it, but it's another thing to see it. Like. And that, well, you know, and that kind of, you know, while we're talking about that, that takes a real kind of a, a real strong sense of yourself, a strong sense of like what works for you on stage, and a strong sense of of what kind of comedian you want to be, and and a lot of you know bravery too, you know, to like, I mean, it, you know, it's not bravery like you're not going to die. But you could do the comedic dying. You know, you could you could sit in front of quiet people while you're dragging yes. a, a stool around. Yes. Um, what? How did you get from how do I get up there to I'm going to just drag a stool around the stage? Um. Well, I started, and I was very, you know, kind of like how I s talked about being nervous playing the guitar in front of anyone. Um, I was nervous to do stand up. Um, but when I was nervous playing the guitar, my hands would shake. And so it made it impossible for me to play guitar. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with stand up, I could have my hands in my pockets and nobody, you know, could really see how nervous I was. I'm sure yeah. they could, but I thought it, I was <laughs> hiding it. Um, and I think I just really, you know, leaned into the, like stoic, deadpan, dry, one-liners, um, short setup, delivery kind of jokes. And that was kind of all, um, it wasn't all based in fear because I really am a dry, deadpan, you know, I'm familiar, person. yes. Yeah. Yes. But my very early days, it was like, 
real dry, real deadpan, no movement in my body whatsoever. And I did that for a while, and it was very much around writing a good joke. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did, was I just told jokes, and then I went home. And then um, as I got older and, like, you know, five years into stand-up, I started to... Not five years in, but along the way, I started to have this interest in, oh, I think I'd want to tell a longer joke or I'd want to maybe smile or even sometimes I want to laugh on stage and I refuse to let myself break a smile. I I just got so locked into this idea of who I was. Mm -hmm. And then I started to think... um, If somebody else, another comedian asked me, hey, what do you think I should do? I really want to um, play the guitar and sing a funny song, but I only do one-liners. I would never say, oh my gosh, don't change what you do. Don't ever grow. Don't ever uh, don't don't do anything differently. You have to always stay in the box that you built for yourself. I would yeah. never say that. And so I started slowly over the years allowing myself to tell longer jokes, to tell 15-minute stories, to do physical bits and conceptual bits, and then got to the place where I told personal stories. And yeah. I just I I just started I guess it's just taking my own advice, which is that I would always tell somebody, you should do what you feel like you want to do. Yeah. And, yeah, that's- and, and I think what's really interesting, too, is even though I now move around, I smile, I laugh, I tell stories, I, I do anything I want on stage, I'm still considered low-key dry yeah. and all of the things because that that core of who you are is still going to present itself no matter what you're doing right yeah you'll never you'll never be flamboyant you know <laughs> you'll never be high energy like yes. a non-stop thrill ride Tig Nataro. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean well that's i mean i like that i like that i like and is did you ever find like that it was easier for you in some way to to tell those personal kind of things on stage than it was to tell them in, in your actual life? Like was, did stage become a place that was kind of safer for you than, than off stage ever? No, not really. Cause yeah. I, I felt like off stage, I talked about and told people anything and, yeah. you know, I had no filter whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then when I went on stage, I just, it I continued. had that. I I just removed it. Yeah. Um. And I just told observational jokes, some, a few personal things here and there, but nothing like what I've allowed myself to do now. Yeah. 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 Is stand up still your favorite thing at all the stuff oh, yeah. that you do? Yeah. 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 It's it's um, it is. <laughs> It is by far my favorite thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't, when I say by far, it makes it sound like I don't enjoy acting or, um, but, uh, or anything else, but I would just say it's, it's what I am, you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel like, I remember seeing myself interviewed on some TV show and underneath me, it said actor. And I was like, uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. They put actor. And, and then I, I I realize that some people they don't know I'm do stand up. Like yeah. I'm on Star Trek and a lot of the viewers there they'll stumble upon my stand up and they're like, "Oh, I didn't know she did stand up." I'm like, "That's hilarious." Yeah, yeah. As you were as you were doing stand up, like did it was it always that way? Did you ever were you doing stand up and then felt like I need to to spread this to something bigger. I need to enlarge what I'm doing. Or it was in your mind that you were going to kind of be a road dog kind of comic? <laughs> well, I think um, when I first started, probably the first five years or so, I was like, all right, I'm a stand-up and I'm a yeah. road dog. And I'm just, this is going to be my life. I was so excited. You know, I was going to get from 
comedy clubs to theaters. You know, I I, yeah. I just wanted to grow my um well from my, laundromats to comedy clubs to laundromats comedy, yeah, to so comedy clubs to arenas. Yeah, uh, yeah, to arena to football right. fields. Um, right. and um, but. It just kind of naturally happened. Um, it's funny because I never picked up on the pattern that stand-up comedians got their own TV shows. I never even, <laughs> I never even thought about you that. Notice. I mean, yeah. I truly, I knew that, I, you know, yeah. that people were stand-ups, but I, I just didn't even think about it. Yeah. And, um, and but I never had a dream of having my own sitcom or mm -hmm. I was truly just in it for stand up but then naturally doing stand up people started to ask me to guest star on their TV show mm -hmm. or make an appearance on some thing and in a movie and and it just kind of started happening and um I mean I went my whole career until I think 4 years ago never having an agent aside from a booking agent yeah. I never had an agent. Wow. I wasn't, I, I didn't, I didn't, it just wasn't in my world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so any TV or film I was getting was just on my own. And I think that's still happening is you either, you likely know what I do if you're asking me, you know, do you want Tig in space or do you want Tig in a zombie film or do you want Tig, you know, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it's, there's not a huge leap when you're yeah. hiring me when you know is one mississippi the first thing that you did that was your own that you kind of produced yourself to be in aside from stand-up because you had your yeah. own show there where and where was it i can't remember uh in mississippi well, no 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 i mean where did people <laughs> see it on amazon on but amazon it, it, Apparently it just got not apparently it did just get um picked up by Hulu so it can be seen now on Hulu. Oh wow. Um yeah. Um but that was the first thing and um and that was brought to me as an option to create my own show but it wasn't something I was out pitching. Mm. It was on the it was after I had you know <laughs> been famously sick with uh <laughs> cancer and uh an intestinal disease and best all of... thing that ever happened to you <laughs> it was it was quite a time but soon after that i was i was approached about doing a tv show and i thought oh this will be a way to you know maybe i could do a show about my life but make it where I don't know where things are going and I can bring mm -hmm. in a writer's room and they can bring their experiences and it can be, um, you know, just a, a mix of my stories and other people's. And then it'll, it'll be more exciting to tell that story. Cause I don't know where my, I didn't know where my life was going at that point. Yeah. Um, so that was the, the first time that I did it. And I haven't had a show since then. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't really, well, but you and Stephanie produced and directed a movie. Yeah, was that right? yeah, yeah, Stephanie, Stephanie, and I. It's funny because we were so drawn to each other's sense of humor, and uh, we really, really make each other laugh very hard. And um, and it wasn't until one Mississippi that we started creatively collaborating mm -hmm. because she does sketch and and improv and acting, and she writes and. And I was doing whatever it was I was doing over here. And then when we worked together on One Mississippi, we were just like, oh, this is so fun. Yeah. And we've continued to do that. And we've created shows and written and produced and directed movies together and acted in movies and, and stuff since then. And we started a production company. And, and as time has gone on, we've realized in doing all these different roles together and separately that um, we love working together, but she is more the writer director and I am more of the, you know, performer and we create things together and, um, and uh, produce things together. But, um, but yeah, so our, our different roles have, you know, it, 
took a little while for it to shake out and for us mm-hmm. to say, oh, I think I actually prefer this more than that. And um, and I do feel like it's equally as exciting to realize what you don't want to do as what you do want to do. Yes, absolutely. It's so liberating and yes. exciting. Oh, my yep. gosh. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I don't oh want to do that. Yeah, yeah the thing I that you think you not. should be doing and then, yeah. Yep, I don't want to do it. Yeah. I don't want to do it. No yep. interest. No more. Yep. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Is it ever tough to work with somebody that you're married to? I mean, does it ever kind of like where you're like, oh, we just spent all day talking about this and now we got to talk about who's going to unload the dishwasher, you know, that kind of thing? No. Um, really? And I oh. hope that. I hope That's that good. never, yeah, I hope it never happens. But um, I mean, we certainly have our rough moments and our issues and whatever. And oh, but, everyone's heard about them <laughs> all over the tabloids. <laughs> we are on the cover of every, every independent DIY lesbian magazine. Are um, they splits, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> are they arguing in bed about that outline they need to write? Um, but um, but yeah, we both kind of, we think it's fun to be brushing our teeth together, uh, washing our faces at night and being like, you know what? I think that character actually should have a job, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And um, that's great. That's great. Yeah, Very healthy, yeah. you know? It's fun. And, and, you know, we, I don't know. We'll we'll both have different projects or hired by somebody else and we feel the same which is sitting in our trailer uh when the other one's at home feeling like, "Ah, I wish Stephanie was here." Yeah. Um and you know, whatever. I know we've we're going on I think almost 10 years mm-hmm. and obviously people have longer marriages and they're like we always hear the, oh, just wait. Oh, things change. And uh, and I'm like, I you don't. You guys are going to fail. Yeah. Just wait. You'll <laughs> fail. But it's like, I know that things change. And yeah. I know that maybe we won't enjoy it down the road. Or maybe we'll have our biggest fight ever and never work together. Yeah. But the time, in for the time being, we Love working together, and I don't know what to tell people other than that is the right. truth. Well, God bless you. I know it's uh, it's uh, uh, it's it's enviable. It's very enviable that you can that you that, and we know, you know we're be, lucky. Yeah, because and it's also too that you know the idea. One of the main ideas of mental health is the integration of all parts of your life, not mm-hmm. compartmentalizing things into different slots. Like, no, if you can make it into one big stew, and it's all sort of happy and copacetic, then that's really, that's optimal. So it's, it's great, you know. But there's also something so fun, even though I've gone and seen Stephanie's improv and everything that she does with that whole world of comedy and she comes and has seen Mm -hmm. my stand-up world. It is so fun to have also these different worlds, not that we're compartmentalizing, but we have these different worlds that we uh, participate in and she's in this all female um, basketball league that she uh-huh. plays in. And, um, and I love bringing our sons to go watch her play. And, yeah. and so I don't know, it's, um, it's fun to integrate and it's also fun to, to, to see her head out the door and go out to dinner with her friends that I'm not close with or her mm-hmm. book club or whatever it is she's doing. And I'm like, have a blast and yeah, can't yeah. wait to see you, you know? Yeah. Um, so enjoy yeah. those people. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't get them. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually the, whenever she's had book club at our house, I am the epitome of the person, the spouse that comes downstairs and <laughs> lingers and doesn't want to leave. <laughs> like I enjoy her friends so much. They're yeah, some yeah. of the funniest people in comedy. Right. I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And then I'll point it out where I'm like, I know I should head back upstairs, but <laughs> you know, can I just uh, yeah. have some crackers too? I want I want companies here. <laughs> yeah. I want to be around. <laughs> Stephanie will be like, Tig, are you lingering? <laughs> like, yeah, I guess I yeah, am. All right. Yeah. Goodbye. All leave. right. Yeah. Um 
Well, where 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 are you headed to? Like like where do you see everything going at this point? Is there something that you're that you're not doing that you wish you were doing? I mean, is there something in parenting, some area in parenting you want to you're heading towards that you you know? Um, I mean, there's a few things that are always on my mind, and one of them is um always trying to figure out how to balance my life because I always tell people it's very busy to be a person alive on the planet. Mm-hmm. It's very busy to be in a relationship. Yeah. It's very busy to have children. Yeah. It's very busy to have a career. Yeah. Um, there, there, and, and then to have a social life and extended family, there's so much pulling from so many different directions. And um, I'm always in search of finding that balance to spend uh, the best quality time with my family. And I'm very mm-hmm. excited. We're about to go on a two-week vacation. Um, to Mississippi. I'll, we're going to Mississippi and yep. we're going to Hawaii. Nice. Um, and um, The old one-two punch, the classic. <laughs> the classic. You go Mississippi, you go <laughs> <Yeah>. Hawaii. <laughs> Mississippi with a Hawaii chaser. Well, those are truly Stephanie's favorite. <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, please. Mississippi and Hawaii. That's great. Um, and, um, and so, so yeah, there's that. And um, I'm very into, um, during the pandemic, I got a plant-based nutrition certification. Um, And so I'm very interested in learning more about health and I've been helping, like I help my my next door neighbor through a health um, uh, situation and uh, my kid's parent at school, he had a situation and he's going to be calling me. And obviously I'm not a doctor, but if people are interested, I've just been. um, You're certified. I'm a certified uh, whatever I am, and I want to help people that have an interest in uh, in helping themselves or that are interested in in that kind of help. If yeah. they think it's a vegetarian or vegan or both, I'm, a combination yeah, vegan. of yeah, vegan, plant, yeah, fully plant based, fully plant based. Okay. Yeah, and Stephanie and and our kids were all plant based. Wow. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of it. Is I want to do that kind of stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and just I, maintain my life. I want yeah. to maintain it. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's your, uh, what's the biggest, you know, what lesson have you learned? I mean, what, 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 I, whether it's a form of advice you can take, or I mean, what do you think kind of up till this point, kind of the moral of your story has been? Well, um, I, saw this saying once and I moved a few words or changed a few words for it to make sense to anyone and everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think about it all the time. And, um, and it's always the advice I give anyone that asks. And it's the best gift you can give anybody is a well-lived life of your own. And to me, that's just the greatest idea because mm-hmm. if your parents are living a good life if your kids are living a good life you're anybody if you know that they're happy and thriving then you're not held down in any way yeah so yeah people have to keep up their end of that bargain though or else it gets it gets sticky you know you get i mean <laughs> i'm only i'm thinking personally i'm thinking like I'm I'm on board with you, but there's other people that are in my life would be like, but wait, why not live for me too? You know, like <laughs> what about the how much I need you to do for me? You know that kind yeah. of thing. But I mean that that's not your concern. Yeah, you you yeah. have to just focus on am I am I happy? Am I thriving? Am I healthy? Am I um, engaged in my life? then that's going to release people um, whether they believe it or not. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Of course. Um, Thanks for uh, inviting me. Yeah. No, uh, you got anything you want to, you want to, you want to promote? I mean, you're, you're Jet Reno on Star Trek Discovery. 
I am. I yeah, am that's too, a, right now. That, that's a, a recurring thing. Mm-hmm. Um, any podcasts or anything you want to? I have two podcasts, Sandy. Well, spit them out. Well, I'm trying to. All right. I'm but you be won't quiet. stop talking about Jet Reno. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to stop talking about Janet Reno. How and, dare uh, you? Oh, Jet Reno. Right. I am. Uh, <laughs> I have a podcast uh, called Tig and Cheryl True Story. Uh, Cheryl Hines and I talk about a new documentary every week. And, um, and it should not be confused with a serious public radio type show. Yes. Or uh, a movie review. <laughs> or one yeah. in which real information will be shared. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, sometimes it takes a while, if ever, to get to the uh, to the documentary. It's, uh, one of my favorite things is when reviews come in that are like, what the hell is this? This is the worst review show. They, you know, all they did was giggle. And... <laughs> um, and uh, and then I have another podcast called Don't Ask Tig, and it's a uh, a weekly um, advice show. And um, so those are my podcasts. Yeah. And uh, I'm on tour. On tour. I, and you go to tignotaro.com and, uh, you know, you'll see where I'm performing. There's links to the shows. Come yeah. see me. You'll be the, the, the juggernaut will pass through your town, people. That's At right. Some point. The, the very, very low key juggernaut will <laughs> be flying through your town. We'll be I'm go, I'll be in Chicago tomorrow. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Enjoy. I know that's, that's your uh, home state. It is my home area. Illinois. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just had a bunch of family out from there and then they went home to snow. Ha ha. Mm. Ha ha. Way to go. Well, take. Well, thank you so much for, for taking an hour and spending some time with me. Of course. Thank you so much. Thanks uh, for having good me. Good luck. Enjoy I, your tour. Enjoy I, your Mississippi Hawaii one-two <laughs> punch. Uh, <laughs> tell Stephanie I said hi. Will do. Yeah. I really appreciate you having me. I think you're one of the funniest people alive. Oh, I mean thank that. you. You're so so funny. Thank um, you so much. And yeah. you too. You know. Well, you know, I do what I can do. You do. Um, all right. Well, I'll hopefully see you soon, Andy. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And thank all of you out there for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Three Questions. Big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blayert, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.